All right, we are packed out today. Look at all of you, it's wonderful. Uh, we have, uh, we're getting to take part in an apostolic visit this weekend, it's wonderful. Apostolic, I, I realize I take that word for granted because I've heard it for about the last 15 years used regularly, but I've had a lot of people ask, what does that mean? Uh, it's apart from the local, it's the translocal team, people that are working in other churches around the world, connected together so that we stay encouraged and we stay reminded that we are simply a part of it. We are not it here, but we are a part of what God's doing. And so just like within the New Testament, we see that um, uh, teams went around and uh, supported, encouraged, planted other churches. And then after they did that, they came back and they checked in on how they were doing and they maintained relationship and they encouraged them. And so that's what we get to take part in today. Uh, we're going to be bringing Steve and Terry Barr up here, which are long, long time friends. They were with us here for 21 years and it was such a wonderful time. Um, but we've gotten to such a place that we were able to actually send them out, similarly to how Paul and Barnabas were to do full-time apostolic ministry. So now they're based out of Seabrook, Texas, and they are working out of their son, Brian's church, which is in Houston, Texas, One Life. And they're doing wonderful things there. Um, and so I'm going to bring up Terry, and she's going to say hi first. Okay. Thank, you. Thank you, Joe. It's great to be here. Uh, lots and lots of new faces. Uh, lots of, um, I, I, I don't want to say old faces, but, <laughs> but people that I've known for many years, and uh, it's, it's wonderful to be here. Um, we left about 18 years ago, months ago. And uh, we left a healthy, strong church. And every time we've come back, we come back to a healthy, strong church. So great job, leadership. Um, we have, yeah, let's clap for that. <laughs> so we've been able to uh, have coffee or lunch or dinner or one of them. We're eating a lot these last few days, eating a lot um, with all the eldership couples. And uh, they just love you. They're healthy and strong, and uh, they're good leaders, and uh, so you're in good hands here. Um, so uh, we're in Texas. Our, we are with our kids and grandkids, four kids, seven grandkids, and our oldest is going to be 18. I can't believe it. It makes me old. Um, but we're having a great time. Uh, we love the Lord and love the fact that we can come together as community uh, once a week on Sunday for the or Sunday or yeah Thursday for the big meeting to be encouraged and worship God together, but also throughout the week and in home groups and um, just getting together with each other because it's encouraging, right? We come together and we come together in the name of Jesus and He brings comfort, encouragement, and uh, and and uh, what else? Comfort, encourage. What are the three things? Direct. Uh, what? Strength. Strength, that's a good one. So, um, so sometimes we go out there in the week and we get beat up, right? And then we come back and it's like, oh, this is good. So even though you're here and even though you might be going through difficult times, just the strength of sing, making declarations to the Lord, adoring him, giving him your devotion, singing together, it just does something. It, it just you know, makes you know that he is worthy to be praised. And he is with you. He's faithful and he's good. And he's never going to leave you. And that is a wonderful thing that we do when we come together and we celebrate. And, but you know what? You can do that every moment of your life. You, can, you get down and you begin to make declarations. You begin to, begin to praise him. Because, because whatever you're going through, he's still worthy 
of honor and glory. And so that lifts us up, and it's just something he does for us, the Holy Spirit. So well done. You're beautiful. We love you, and uh, good job uh, for carrying the torch, getting out there, getting beat up, and (laughs) trying to shine your light for Jesus, and then coming back and loving one another, encouraging one another. God bless you. Would you agree with me while I pray for Steve? Lord, we thank you for Steve. We thank you for the gift he is and the things that you've gifted him with, Lord. We just pray over this time. We pray for the word that's going to go out. Uh, We just pray that we are hearing intently and listening for what you have for us today. Amen. 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 Thank you for sharing, Terry. She's my best friend. We're approaching uh, 49 years of marriage. And some, sometimes I say, people say, how long have you been married? And I say, we've been happily married 42 years. <laughs> so there's, a, there's stories behind that. I asked her if I was the first one uh, that she ever dated. And she said, yeah, but the rest were nines or tens. <laughs> that didn't happen, but I think it's so funny. So anyway, uh, those of you who don't know me, Steve, uh, I grew up in Santa Barbara. I never knew my dad. Uh, my mother passed away when I was five, left my two sisters and me in the, in the foster system, went around from home to home, landed in a, a Christian family. My dad was a pastor of a little church in Santa Barbara. I heard about Jesus, and uh, as an eight-year-old, gave my heart to him, got baptized, and he has always been faithful. I love him now. I love Jesus more now than I ever, ever, ever have. I'm so grateful and so thankful. And uh, when we sing this song um, about the goodness of God, he has been good all the times. When I look back at the darkest times of my life, um, his goodness was there. And I'm so thankful and so grateful for for, uh, him ministering. Uh, uh, to me so faithfully. I've not always been faithful. Uh, I've blown it big time. And, and, um, and I, as I deeply regret that. But he's forgiven me and set me free and, and helped me to move forward and move beyond that. And, and uh, I want to thank him publicly for his faithfulness, for forgiving my sin and paying the price for my sin. Don't ever think that sin is not a big deal. It's a big deal. Jesus went to the cross because of our sin, but at the same time, he wants us to walk in freedom and victory yeah. and not to walk around all gloom and doom. Uh, we are set free. Yeah. And so I'm so grateful and thankful for that. I'm, gr- I'm thankful for this church. Uh, Terry mentioned that we're at my son's church. Uh, it's not his church. It's Jesus' church. It's the church he leads. You know, we kind of say that, but uh, they're growing uh, great. They're, they're making an impact in their region. But I want to say this to Westside. Westside supported One Life the first two years they started. We gave them $2,000 a month for two years to help them get off the ground. So the success of One Life Church, thousands of miles away, you guys share in the inheritance and the rewards of that church. And we helped plant a church in Denver. We planted a church in San Jose. We sent 55 people from this church a few years ago to Cameron Park to start Hillside Church. This church is, is it's, it's only, um, 
I think the statistics, uh, they're not exactly right, but it's only about one out of seven churches ever plants another church. We've planted two and participated in many more. And so this church has proven faithful over the years and remains faithful uh, to advance uh, the kingdom of God as he leads us and calls us to do so. So uh, well done, Westside. If you're newer here, you get to join in the inheritance. And you, you weren't even here. And so and you could reap the benefits and, and of what God is doing. And um, it's just a joy to know that there's a, a shining uh, light, a bright shining light in El Dorado County. There are other churches. I used to be with the pastors in the area. There's other churches that love God, love his word, doing the best they can with what they have. Uh, but this, there's something special about here, uh, and it always will be uh, home for us. So thank you so much for having us. Um, I, that's all I have. No, I'm, no, I'm going to preach. So. But I better open up my notes here. Uh, we do live in a crazy world, don't we? And it's getting crazier and crazier. And so we got to hold on to something to get us through. Uh, I, I know... Um, Oh, they're not here now. We've had people go to Iceland, visit Iceland, far off exotic places, or maybe you've visited Chile and cl climbed the Chilean ma mountains and ate fresh Chilean sea bass, or you know, maybe you've been to these exotic places around the world, and some of you would like to go there and explore on your own. Others of you would like to go there with a tour guide to kind of show you the ins and outs. That's probably about 50-50. But what if you're gonna go to a dark jungle with a big swamp and gigantic spiders and uh, anacondas and dark and dreary and dangerous, um, then would you want to go explore on your own or would you like a guide? So, you know, life is not the, the, the Andes Mountains or Iceland uh, glaciers or Hawaii or Disneyland. Life is tough, and it's hard, and we need something to help us get through. So uh, none of us have ever been this way before. We've never experienced a, a uh, uh, September 18th, 2022 before, and we never will again. So I want to encourage you to make the most of every opportunity. Paul said, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. By the way, those of you who know Dave and Ashley, they just had a little baby girl this morning. And so... Uh, he, Dave used to be one of the pastors here, and they moved to Denver there in Texas now. So that's, that's good news, because they, they couldn't have kids for 15 years, and God promised them uh, that they would have some kids, and so it's pretty amazing. That's their third child now. So God is good. And um, so I'm going to read to you out of 2 Timothy chapter 1. And this is Paul writing to Timothy. So Paul was training Timothy to be in apostolic ministry. Joe just said apostolic. Apostolic has its roots in, in the word apostolos, Greek. Apostolos means sent ones. So in one sense, all of us are sent ones because Jesus said go, therefore, and make disciples of all people groups, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded, and I'm with you even to the end of the age. So he called his disciples to go make other disciples who will go make other disciples, and we're part of that. 
So somehow, some way, it got from Jesus through the last 2,000 years to you. It'd be great to see your gene- genealogy through that whole string, right? So when you get to heavenancestry.com, when you get to heaven, you can look up and find out who all those people were and go meet them. If somebody told somebody about Jesus, they told somebody about Jesus, they told somebody about Jesus until it finally got to you. That's, that's an amazing thing. So we're all sent ones, but apostolic, when we use it, it's an adjective. It just means a going, ascending culture, because that's, that's the, the word that Jesus used. So the word apostle that we get from apostolos means sent ones, but if it, that's translated from the Greek. If, you, if it's translated from the Latin, then it's miss, it has to do with missio, where we get missionary. Missionaries are sent ones. So our modern-day missionaries aren't quite the same as the apostles who went out and planted churches, uh, but it's kind of morphed, but they're still sent, and they go in Jesus' name. And so Paul's training Timothy to be an apostle. Timothy goes straight from being a teenager, taken from his home through the fast track. He never was a deacon that we know of. He never was an elder that we know of. He never led a church that we know of. And he went straight to translocal ministry where he ministered to churches around. So Paul trained Timothy and Titus. And here's what he tells Timothy here. He says, hold on to the pattern. And when you hold on, you got to hold on because this world is crazy. It's stormy. It's like you're in the middle of a big ocean and it's, the waves are high and you're trying to swim and all of a sudden you see a buoy over there and you want to get over that buoy and it's rocking and rolling and, but it's anchored by a cable into the bedrock of the ocean's uh, uh, depths and you hold on to that thing it might be shaking you around but you better hold on to that if you want to live and Paul says to Timothy hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learn from me a pattern shaped by uh, the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. So Paul talks to Timothy. We're going to unpack this uh, verse in the next few moments. So when Paul says um, to Timothy in a different chapter, he says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, all the scripture, all the the word of God, the Bible that we read, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. All right? So is that true when Paul told Timothy that? Yes is the right answer. Yes, that's true that Paul Paul told Timothy that. (laughs) Is that true? Is all scripture inspired by God and profitable to teach us, to correct us, all right? If that's true, why do we have genealogy? So-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. So a friend of mine was reading out of Leviticus a few days ago, and it said they, when you divide the calf on the altar, and then you take the, the, the liver and cut the fat away over here, and then you take the two kidneys and cut the fat, I'm going, oh my God, like this. All right, is that inspired by God? Yes, it is. Are all the genealogies? Yes. Is repetitive stuff for us today? Yes, it is. In fact, God says about the children of Israel that all the stuff they went through is for the help of the people who are going to be ministering at the end of the age. I think we're at the end of the age. All the stuff they went through is helping us 
to represent Jesus uh, today. So we're going to read a whole bunch of Exodus right now, really quick, because I want to show you some patterns, because we're going to talk about patterns today. When you build a building, you have to have a pattern. It's called a blueprint. When my mom used to make dresses for my sisters, she, they'd put the patterns out and pin the, you know, the, the flimsy paper to the material and cut it out, and then and you had to have a pattern, or you wouldn't really have a dress that you were trying to build. Or when Paul says, um, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth or accurately handling the word of truth. Paul was a tent maker, and tent making was a very expensive uh, um, a business in that the canvas that they used was super expensive. So instead of trimming a cutting here and then having a four-inch gap and then trimming the other piece over here, they would make one cut perfectly so that they could use this piece and this piece you know, to be joined together or whatever. And so he says, accurately handling the material that he was making tents with, he used that illustration for handle this accurately. So here it is in Exodus chapter 39 and 40 about Moses making the priestly garments and building the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a portable temple while the children of Israel were in the desert. And before uh, Solomon, hundreds of years later, built the uh, permanent temple in Jerusalem. So making the priestly garments, in verse 39, from the blue and purple and scarlet yarns, they made finely woven garments for ministering in the holy place. They made the holy garments for Aaron as the Lord had commanded Moses. God made a command. They followed it exactly. And the skillfully woven band on it was of one piece with it, made like it gold of gold, blue, and purple with scarlet yarns and finely twined linen, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 7, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 21, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 26, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 29, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 31, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Over and over and over, what God said they did exactly as God said it. Verse 32, thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of the meeting was finished, and the people of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so they did. According, verse 42, according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the people of Israel had done all the work, and Moses saw all the work, and behold, they had done it as the Lord had commanded. So they had done it. This Moses did according to all that the Lord had commanded him, so he did. Do you think he did it? Yeah. yeah. Do you think he finished it as the Lord commanded? Yes, he did. And that's the point is driven home there that God has a pattern for things, and we do things his way. And then also in assembling the tabernacle, the next chapter, as the Lord commanded Moses, verse 19, 23, as the Lord had commanded Moses, verse 25, as the Lord had commanded Moses, uh, verse 27, as the Lord had commanded Moses, 29, um, at verse 32, and then, so Moses finished the work. Listen to this. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, that's the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. 
And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. It's pretty amazing. I'm telling you, when you do things God's way, when you follow His pattern, His glory will come. We see it in 2 Chronicles. Hundreds of years later, Solomon's building the temple, the permanent structure. Thus, all the work that Solomon did for the house of the Lord was finished. In other words, he did it. The house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. The weight of the presence of God caused people to fall over. I don't know if you've ever been in a meeting like that, but it's an amazing thing to see and to witness. The glory of God coming. I'm not talking about human fabricated stuff. I'm talking the actual, when God comes in a, in a manifest way, uh, it's difficult to stand in his presence. And it says, the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Noah built the ark as God commanded. He followed the pattern exactly, and the glory of God came, and that human kind was, was, was saved. When we do things God's way, when we follow his pattern in church, in life, in our marriages. If you want your marriage, if you want the glory of God yeah. to come on your home and your family and your marriage, do things His way. Yeah. Follow His pattern and watch the glory of God come. But we live in an age of increasing uncertainty and lack of direction and, 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 and fear is everywhere and, and there's a lack of love. It kind of sounds like the end times. Because I believe it is the end times. I'm not going to prophesy a date or anything like that. But everything Jesus said in Matthew 24, every single statement he made has already happened. And the very last statement was the, the love of most will grow cold. Are we living in a day and age where the love of most grows cold? I mean, Terry and I grew up in high school in the uh, late 60s, early 70s. And and there was a lot of turmoil in our culture, but if you told people, hey, I'm a Christian, they go, cool, like that. You know, they didn't try to kill you. <laughs> Nowadays, they're very angry if you tell people that, but it, but it, was, it was okay. It's different the way it is. So um, how are we going to... How are we going to not just survive this age that God put us in? How are we going to thrive in this? I'll tell you, it's by putting your, your focus and, and, and looking to Jesus as the one that's leading us. And, and he's the one. So first and foremost, and this is only one point right here, you got to follow Jesus. I, you have to say this to yourself, I must follow Jesus. And if you are searching for, uh, for or maybe investigating the Christian faith, and, and you're just looking and asking honest questions, I want to encourage you. You're in the right place. You're welcome here. And, and just keep asking good, honest questions. But the answer lies in Jesus. Almighty God, who stepped out of eternity in heaven, in, came to this earth, died on the cross in our place, for, took our sin upon himself. If you want to know if God hates sin, look at what was happening to Jesus on the cross, the entire sin of the world was placed on Jesus and he paid for your sin and for my sin. We often say salvation is free, a free gift, and it is. It's free for us and it cost Jesus a lot. It cost him everything. But if you say, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, I believe that he, he is almighty God, that he came down and, 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 and took my place, 
on the cross. And that he rose from the dead. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. We make it so difficult. No, it's not just a mental acquiescence, but a true reliance and trust in him. My son, a few weeks ago, he goes, if you believe and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus, a guy stood up over there, I confess that Jesus is my Lord. Everybody goes, like this. And then a lady over here stood up and says, I confess that Jesus is my Lord. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> but God looks at our hearts. It's not just the magic words that we say, spiritual words. And I encourage you, if you're looking, put your faith in Jesus. And if you once followed him really, really close and you kind of drifted a bit, today is the day to get back on track and follow him. So we got to follow Jesus. And how do we do that? We follow by getting into his word, knowing his word. And, and we follow him by being empowered by the Holy Spirit, his word and spirit. We often talk about this church as a word and spirit church. We love God's word. We don't worship God's word. We worship God. This is his word. This is the word of the one we worship. This isn't God. This is his word. And we revere it. And it's, and it's the final authority for anything we teach and preach here. It's the final authority, but at the same time, it's, it's nothing without the Holy Spirit illuminating and bringing stuff alive to us, speaking to it, truth to us. It's word and spirit. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. So there's patterns in the New Testament, and, and there's patterns for almost, well, for everything uh, generally, but specifically there's all kinds of patterns of doing things God's way, following his pattern, and seeing his glory come. So here's a pattern, and in uh, the New Testament, stay steady. We preached about that here. Stay steady, steadiness. I'm, look, I'm moving forward. I'm forgetting what lies behind, and I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. And we see that in Philippians 1.6. I'm confident that he who began a good work in you will complete it. And how long will he work on it in you? Until the day of Jesus Christ. This is a steadiness. We're in a marathon, not a sprint. We're in a marathon, not a sprint. Keep your focus on Jesus. Keep moving forward, no matter what uh, life might throw your direction. Another one is stay simple. This is a pattern. It's not a prescription, but simplicity is so evident in Scripture. Acts 2.42, the early church met in the temple, and they met from house to house. That's pretty simple. We see in Acts 2.42 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So that's why this church has Thursday night, Sunday at 9, Sunday at 11, maybe more in the future. Who knows? Uh, but we devote ourselves to the teaching of the Word of God, celebrating Jesus. They met, um, and it says they um, devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and fellowship. We, we have small groups here. We break bread together uh, regularly and, then, and prayer. It's a very simple pattern. And a lot of times we make things so complicated. And it's a simple thing to follow Jesus. And so uh, Barnabas was um, a character in the in New Testament. He was uh, one of the disciples. His name was Simon, but they called him Barnabas. In Acts chapter 4, he sold some property, took it, to, laid it at the apostles' feet, gave the money to them. So a couple things about Barnabas. Oh, and then Ananias and Sapphira, they tried to do the same thing because Barnabas evidently got some accolades or something. Uh, and people go, yay, Barnabas. And 
And so they tried it, but they lied about it. They said, you know, they sold the property for such and such amount, but they only gave part of it. But they pretended like they were giving all of the money. And Peter goes, hey, you just lied, not to me, but to the Holy Spirit. They fell over dead. We need to have that uh, reverence for Almighty God, by the way, uh, and be honest before him. But Barnabas sold this property. So Barnabas was a Levite. And Levites, if you read the Old Testament, they weren't supposed to own property. <laughs> so that was one thing. And the other thing, God was pre preparing him, a successful uh, entrepreneur who owned property, property owner, and he sold it and, then, and gave it for the Lord's work. And then God used Barnabas to go get Paul. They were in Antioch, and they sent Barnabas to go get Paul, this new comfort guy. And then, so the first few times you see um, Barnabas and Paul, and then after a while it kind of flip-flops, and it becomes Paul and Barnabas. So Barnabas discipled Paul, and Paul took his ministry uh, beyond what Barnabas started there. And so it's just an amazing thing that we see. But Barnabas prepared by simplifying his life. A lot of, a lot of times we're so anchored in what we do that if God called you, you go, no, I'm sorry, God, busy. Can't do it. And the Great Commission is go, therefore. You've already been commanded to go. And people go, okay, all right, if God calls me, I'm willing to go. But you know what? We find ourselves willing to go, but preparing to stay. What we need to do is prepare to go, yet willing to stay. Does that make sense? So 55 people went down to plant the church in Cameron Park, which is meeting. They're probably just getting out right now. And I see another time, two times, three times, four times, maybe five times more out of this church. We need to send 55 people. Maybe up to Pollock, I'm not going to speak for the elders, Pollock Pines or Auburn or Maui or somewhere, you know, <laughs> places to go plant a church. But are you preparing to go or willing to go? We must prepare to go, simplify. I, I'm really, it's, it's in the Bible, and I challenge you to say, you know, no, we have a going center. Of course, all of us, when we leave those doors back there, we're going into the mission field. We're all going in that sense. But oftentimes, God calls us to mix things up. God called Terry and me from Southern California. 100% different culture than Northern California. Way different. Way different. It's just like God called... Peter to minister, uneducated Peter to minister to the Jews, and he called educated Paul to go minister to the Gentiles. That's just God's way. He likes to mix things up. He likes to keep you on your toes. And a lot of times, the reason is because when you go to a different culture, you see their blind spots. We came up here, we saw blind spots in, this, in El Dorado County right away. And we also, we weren't here very long, not very long when we saw the blind spots of the culture we came out of. So then we were able to go back to them and say, you got blind spots. We up here in El Dorado County, we don't have those blind spots. So anyway. But, we, but anyway, stay simple. All right, so Barnabas was ready to go when God called him. Stay servant-hearted. Uh, this is a pattern, not a prescription, but in 1 Peter 4, 10, 11, it says each of you has a gift. I just want to say each of you is the gift. And just, I didn't say this to the other two services, but I, wanted, I just want to say this. There are people in this room right now 
that have a gift to work with kids. The children's ministry right now needs children's workers. If you hate kids, please don't sign up for children's <laughs> ministry. I believe right now that there's at least two or three drummers sitting in this room. Use your gift to serve others. Did you notice there is not a drummer? Chris did really good on the bebop thing that he was doing. There's not a drummer there. A drummer, it's not in the Bible, thou shalt have a drummer. But it does say in the Psalms, when you're praising God, you can beat those cymbals and those loud clanging cymbals and, and it rounds out the, the music that we have here. It's not mandatory for salvation, but you would certainly be serving the church, serving the body by using your gift, not to serve yourself, but to serve them. And there's so many opportunities for serving here. I encourage you, if you're part of Westside, get serving somewhere. God's called you to use your gift to serve others so that God gets the glory. So that was a little side thing. Uh, stay, stay servant-hearted. And so um, some more New Testament uh, patterns. We're going down. Just skipped a little bit there, Steve. Uh, we see uh, New Testament patterns. We see local churches. We see elders. These are men of God that are called by God. It's not a promotion. It's a calling. They're called by God to serve, to lay down their lives, to serve and shepherd the local church. Uh, well, the elders that are in this service, I know a couple of them had to go do some stuff, but would you, elders and wives that are in the service, stand up? So, all right, we have five couples, five elder guys that are the elders of the church. The government of the church is on their shoulders. Uh, that's the direction, our vision, the way the church is headed, the doctrine, what, we're, what we teach, and the discipline of the, of the church. And that doesn't mean, you know, that they're out, you know, whipping people or something. Discipline means good government. It means safe boundaries so that things are done decently in order and there's protection. I'm going to tell you parents, when you give your kids good boundaries, they are more secure when they don't have, than when they don't have boundaries. Good boundaries are like riverbanks. The river is flowing. There's life in the river, and the banks hold it in place so that it's moving and fruitful. And if there's no riverbanks, then that river becomes a marsh, becomes dead. And it's a horrible thing to see, but good government brings security. Now, the husbands and their wives are one because God's called husbands and wives to be one. And they're, when they're one, they stand as one. So when the eldership, that's the husbands and wives, meet together, that's the senior leadership team of the church. And pray for them. Because here's what the Bible says. They have to give an answer to God for you. If you're an elder and you truly understand your responsibility, that's, that's a weight. Pray for them that they don't mess up. Pray for them that they don't become a target of the enemy, or they don't succumb to his, his, his schemes. Mom and dad, you're a target of the enemy because you're raising your kids. You're going to have to answer to God for your kids. Your kids aren't going to have to answer for you. Same thing. It's a family's a microcosm of the church. Thanks, you guys. And the elders and deacons together, they're the leadership team of the church, and they lead by example. And the elders and the deacons and the saints, which means every one of us, 
are the ministry team of the church. That's the priesthood of all believers. Every believer is called to represent Jesus and to minister to others. Every believer can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Every believer um, can, can give and serve generously of their time and finances and resources and talents and abilities. Every believer can go to the hospital and pray for the sick. Every believer can share their, their testimony with pinpoint accuracy to their friends or family when needed. But that's, that's the call of the ministry of all, all believers. So we see that, that pattern in, in the New Testament, that every local church in the New Testament, every single one, is led by a plurality, a team of elders. Every single one. We see that pattern. Uh, we see that every single church is, is deacon and elder-led, and that the, the saints are all called on to minister. And so we see, we see a, a pattern uh, for families. In, in the New Testament. How about Ephesians chapter 5? There's a pattern in there for families. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And my old Bible, when I was a teenager, said, obey your parents in the Lord until you're 18. <laughs> That's not in the Bible. When the Bible says, honor your mother and father, there's no, there's no expiration date. That's just free there. It would be, it'd be a little more natural for husbands to respect their wives, I think. I, I mean, I respect my wife. I, she, she raised two kids. You know, come home. Husbands, don't, when your wife's expecting, don't come home and say, what'd you do today? <laughs> That's the last thing you do. Because they could say, I made a spleen. <laughs> what did you do? Like this. <laughs> I, I mean, the stuff that Terry did, and then she became an attorney, and, and raising two kids, and, and still took on the main responsibility of the home. I mean, we, we all helped out, pitched out, and all that stuff. But it's, I respect her highly. It's easy to do that. It's easy for husbands to respect their wives. It's easier for wives, I think, generally to love their husbands. But God said, do the other thing. Husbands, you love your wives. You love your wife as Christ loved the church. And wives, you respect your husband. And it's unconditional. If it's unconditional love, you've heard about that, it's unconditional respect. That's an amazing thing. So just free advice. I don't really need to uh, write a book, but husbands, if, if you want to be respected, act respectably. Wives, if you want to be loved, act lovably. <laughs> Lovingly lovable. And kids, you got to obey your parents no matter what, so... Oh, by the way, parents, God gave those kids to you, not to the state. State doesn't have to answer to God for your kids. You have to answer to God for your kids. So just remember that. that that's a huge responsibility. You are stewards. You don't own those kids. God does. You are stewards of what belongs to him, and you're supposed to do a good job. It's a big deal. We see patterns in the workplace. We see patterns for evangelism, for prayer, for how we behave. 
in, in, in our neighborhoods, in every aspect of life, we, we see patterns in the scripture. We see a pattern in scripture of local churches. Every single uh, church of the New Testament partnered with apostolic ministry, the Ephesians 4 ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Every single church partnering with the team. So this church partners with NCMI. Terry and I are on the NCMI team. This church is not an NCMI church. There is no such thing. New Covenant Ministries International is a team of seasoned men and women of God ministering around the world into local churches, helping to plant local churches, coming in, laying foundation, and things like that. There's about 500 or so couples on the New Covenant Ministries International team working into over 130 nations now with thousands and thousands of churches around the world. This church is not isolated and stuck up in, in the western slope uh, of, of Sierra Nevada mountains in El Dorado County. We are connected. We are part of what God is doing around the world. But the NC Mike team, Terry and I do not come in. We don't come and tell the elders, you, you need to start doing this. We have no authority in this church except what is invited. So I've been invited to speak today. But if I said something that they didn't agree with, they would come up and correct it because they are the highest human authority in the local church is the eldership. And every single church in the, in the New Testament was connected to or partnering with. There are many teams like New Covenant Ministries. They're not the only one. There's a lot of people that are doing it right where they have elders leading local churches, not voting. We don't see any voting in Scripture at all. But yet we brought that into the American church that I'm, because I, I, I know about the American church, uh, we brought voting in. It's not in the Bible. God calls. Your children didn't vote you in as parents. But, you know, they might when they're seven, but not when they're 17. <laughs> so, it's a different story. There's no voting. God calls somebody and appoints somebody to a service, and they, they do what God has called them to. So we see that pattern of local churches connecting to outside ministry. We see patterns of the Holy Spirit moving in the church. We need the Holy Spirit for gifts that he brings and, and victory over over uh, the situations where we need victory in, in our life. And going back to those verses again in 2 Timothy 1, I'm going to read it out of the NLT this time. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. So we are word and spirit. Word and spirit. So I grew up in a gospel-centered church. My dad preached the word. He loved, he, he wanted to be a missionary. He had bad eyes, and he wasn't accepted into the mission thing, majig. And, um, but he loved uh, uh, telling people about Jesus. He always had missionaries come in. I remember a missionary came in and rolled a 30-foot python's uh, skin down the aisle. My brother and I were like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And, and you know, we just heard these stories uh, of that. And we loved to tell people about Jesus. We loved the Word of God, but there wasn't much of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like that book that Francis Chan wrote, The Forgotten God. You know, we kind of leave the Holy Spirit out. But we are Word and Spirit. You can't have one uh, really, without the other. That's, how, that's what it was created. If we try to do this thing in our own strength without the Holy Spirit, we're going to crash and burn. That's why a lot of you are tired and worn out right now, because you're doing it in your own strength. 
and your own strength is going to fail. If you're doing it in the of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's a lot easier. doesn't mean you won't have a little bit of struggle, but he'll carry you through. It's kind of like going on a, a sailboat, a nice sailboat, say a catamaran. My friend Kevin Booth just got his captain's license for these big 45-foot catamarans. Um, so um, there's, you could have the boat could be in tip-top. Say there's, there's no leaks in the hull. The sails are in good condition. The ropes are good. They're all taut. And the chrome is shiny. And there's provision in there. There's lots of food. The, the wa- fresh water stores are in there. And the captain is sober. And they're, you know, you're just you're all ready to go. You have it all down, all nailed down. But there's no wind. You're not going anywhere. We could know every pattern in Scripture. We could know the word backward and forward. And, and, and you know, there's verses in here that says, always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Uh, uh, learning but denying uh, the power of God. That's the Holy Spirit coming in. So we need the word, we need the foundation, and we need the Spirit to blow wind in our sail or we won't go anywhere. Does that make sense? So that's, we need the Word and the Spirit. So, so knowing the Word, can you explain the gospel accurately to somebody who doesn't know Jesus? If you're a believer and you can't, you ask the elders who are charged with teaching you how to do that. If you don't know how to witness to your friends, if you don't know how to pray for somebody, Make sure you get some instruction. And there's lots of instruction in this church about that. So, it's not just the gospel is you got to believe and you got to live right and you'll be saved. It's not it. And it's not this either. God just loves you and accepts everyone right where they are. That's not the gospel either. The gospel is not good advice. The gospel is good news that we were lost and without hope of any, 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 any measure of being in eternity with Jesus without trusting in the work that he did on the cross. The gospel is the life-changing, identity-changing, heart-shaping, life-transforming, redemptive work Jesus accomplished for us at the cross. That's the good news. Jesus did it. And it's free for us if we say yes. So in Galatians, Paul says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. He set us free so that we would be free. And it's freedom from the law. The law is trying to work your way into God's favor. The law was a burden. The law was good. It taught us what was good and wrong and evil and what was sinful and things like that. But we get set free. Jesus forgave my sin. I am free. And then some well-intentioned, maybe, meaning person comes along and says, you know, bring those arms together. And don't forget to pray every day. Don't you forget to read your Bible every day. Like this. 
all right, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying every day. And then someone comes along and says, Mrs. Jones, she fasts twice a week. <laughs> fast twice a week. Foom, foom. Okay, I'm fasting twice a week. Doing really good. Doing really good. I'm so proud of my, oh, pride. That's wrong. Foom, like this. And we start, <laughs> we start taking around this verse. I'm free. I'm totally free. Like this. I'm going to shake up some of your theology. It doesn't say read, read God's word every day in here. It does not say that. Now, I read God's word. That's how I got some of this stuff that I'm preaching today. Because I want to. It's not, and it's not a burden. In fact, the people didn't even read the Bible until about two, 300 years ago when they invented the printing press. They listened to it for thousands of years. But we put these bondages on us that the Bible never does. And we say, now, you got to do all this stuff and you'll really be a good Christian. No, he set us free. But at the same time, we want to live lives that please him, not so that he'll love us, but because he loves us. Not so we'll get saved, but because we are saved and already set us free, we want to live a life that pleases him. And we can only do that through the power and the strength that the Holy Spirit gives us. Does that make sense? All right. So, we can study the Bible, we can discuss and dissect for years and years, we can learn things, we can do all the right things, go to church, serve, give financially. By the way, we should do all these things, but they don't amount to anything of eternal value without the Holy Spirit. They don't amount to anything if we're going to be doing it on our own human efforts. We need Him. We need the foundation of his word, the inerrancy. This is the final authority of everything that we do, all our faith and practice here. But at the same time, we don't worship this. We worship him. We need the word of God, and we need the present and the ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit to get, help us to live godly, victorious lives and, and to uh, be witnesses uh, for him in this life that he's called us to. We need the word and the spirit. All of us lean one toward one or the other. I'm convinced of that. Ask God to help you with your weak side. We want to be people of the Word and people of the Spirit. Doing things God's way, following His pattern, and seeing His glory come. Amen. Um, do you mind standing? I want to pray for you and with you. And the worship team can come up and get ready and Joe will take over in a second here. Father, we thank you and are so grateful that you are the one who allows us to pray for the sick. You're the one that calls us to give encouraging words to others. Encouraging words that bring strength and encouragement and comfort. You've called us to share the gospel clearly with our friends and family. You've called us to even see miracles take place and to see people set free and to proclaim the gospel boldly. Lord, help us. Help us to simplify our lives and depend on you. I'm going to pray for some of you right now. If, if you don't mind, if I call something out that is 
affecting you right now, just lift your hand up and put it down. But just choose to meet God where he is and say, yes, that's me. Just put your hand down. Let your faith meet uh, what God is doing here today. Father, I pray for those that are lonely right now. God, I pray that you would bring comfort and friendship. Honestly, you don't have to put your hand up, but I want to encourage you. Take that step of faith and meet God where he is. Lord, I pray for those that are encountering physical difficulty and need healing. They, they need healing, physical healing right now. I pray for those that maybe are separated from their children. There's enmity between them and their children. Father, I pray for those in this room right now that have lost a loved one. That you'd bring comfort and healing and purpose back into their life. Lord, I pray for those that are discouraged. They've tried and tried and tried, but it's just not working. I pray that you would encourage. Encourage today, oh God. I pray for those that are facing accusations and lies against them. I pray for those that are encountering injustice that you would bring justice, godly justice. Thank you, Lord, and so many more things that you're touching people right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. Thank you for your word. Your promises are true, and you are good, God, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.